Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. Did you see Asteroid City? I'd like to discuss Asteroid City. I saw I know. Okay. Wes Anderson makes strange movies. Yeah. I think you might say that that's a good way to put it. I hated this movie. Oh my goodness. I, I, I wanted to like it. It has yes. a great cast. And I, I went to see it a second time because I said, maybe I missed something. Let me see it again. And of course, you know, I fell asleep through part of it. But but nevertheless, and I, I came out the second time saying, what the hell was that? The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Well, that was our old pal Cinema Luke explaining Asteroid City. In case you haven't figured that out, I'm Arch Campbell. And this is the podcast that tries to keep you up on the ever-changing world of entertainment. And it's always so much fun to get together and talk about movies, TV, and streaming, and all of it. My guests today include the original angry critic who airs his opinions on DCOutlook.com, Mr. Peter Freeman. (laughs) Keep having me back, I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Already on the wind-up. And the longtime critic for AARP, the guy who dreamed up the phrase movies for grown-ups, which I certainly believe in. He is now the senior critic for the Saturday Evening Post, Bill Newton. Archer, I think you meant I'm the critic for seniors at the Saturday Evening Post. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, then you fit right in this group. And of course, our chief enabler, the president and CEO of the CATS podcast system in CATS podcasting <laughs> headquarters, Mr. Lou Katz. Always a pleasure to be twisting the knobs, Arch, yes. Are the two oh, warmed up? <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, here we go. Let's go right into it. <laughs> so it's opening week for Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible adventure. The latest one. I don't know how many of those movies they have made. And uh, everyone has huge expectations, particularly considering that last summer, uh, Tom Cruise's uh, remake of Top Gun was the the huge movie that everyone talked about last summer. And I have no reason to believe anything other than that everyone will be the one movie everyone will see and talk about this summer is uh, Mission Impossible, the latest. So, Peter, you went to the screening. How did, did it play? Well, well, it's the seventh film, by the way, and it was a seventh. press-only screening. So, obviously, I had nobody to talk to. Um, <laughs> or nobody you wanted to talk to. No, certainly that, not. Um, since Bill and I don't go to those things anymore. I, I just, I'm like a deer in the headlights. The lady next to me had never seen any of the other Mission Impossible movies, which is comforting for film criticism. She wasn't old enough to get a ticket. Oh, I think she was, she was getting close. But, oh, was oh, she? It's, Speaking of all oh, the lady in front of me, or the person in front of me, um, was telling everyone about her catheter uh, problems. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you can imagine, you know, my really? chagrin until the movie started. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, it's my personal favorite uh, film franchise of all time, including James Bond. And there's a lot of James Bond uh, feel to this to this one, as there always is, but especially in this one. Um, the plot is 
kind of a little hokey. It's an AI, an AI entity. You kind of AI run is coming for all of us. Well, it's well, it's coming for Tom Cruise and everyone <laughs> in this movie. That's for sure. Um, basically, they need half of a key. You know the 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 whole the whole deal. So they go all over the world looking for this key that keeps going there, from one hand to the other. Down clock. There, <laughs> there thankfully wasn't, although it wasn't for lack of trying because they do about everything in this movie. Um, unbelievable action, um, still has the playfulness that makes it kind of unique. Um, Tom Cruise is incredible. Uh, he's 61. God knows how old he was when he filmed it. This movie's been in production for a while, but um, he's still running as fast as ever. He's showing a little wear and tear, and you know, uh, as we all are, but um, Botox is uh, working off. He looks, he looks, he's getting older, but uh -huh. you wouldn't know it by his actions. Ethan, this mission of yours is gonna cost you dearly. If anything happens to them, there's no place that I won't go to kill you. Ethan, what's your objective? What's your ultimate objective? None of our lives can matter more than this mission. I don't accept that. What I love about this movie is that it it doesn't hide from the fact that they're getting older. The the the, the main group, Ving Rhames and Simon Pegg, they're still together and they're still cool. They're still, you know, they're slowing down, but the movie is is filled in with one, two, three, four different um female leads, all of them strong. Haley Atwell, Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby is really good. And I have to look at her name because I can't pronounce it, but it's the the person from Guardians of the Angels, Palm Clementine. I love a, Vanessa Kirby, but Vanessa I, Kirby is she gets it in this one. She's really better than the last one, and she was really good in that. She was described in a review by Anne Hornaday, and I forget the movie, but she Anne Hornaday described her as a saucy minx. <laughs> oh. And we'll she show is. you how old Anne Hornaday is getting to be. Also. <laughs> but she's, minx. she's an extension of the first movie. And this one goes back to the first movie a few times. But uh, uh, was it Vanessa Redgrave played um, this, uh, uh, you know, spy that was kind of on both sides of the fence. And she's her daughter. And she she's very similar to her. But she gets a lot more opportunity in this one. And uh, and she's totally up to up to the task. She, all of the female leads are really, really good. Very believable, very strong. Um, I love the way this franchise is the direction it's going. And I, I hope it's not going to end, but it's Ser seriously. There's another yeah. one in the works. You know, what do you think? This is part one, literally. Is it, is it, is it the um, Mission Impossible franchise or is it the Tom Cruise franchise? Because I mean. Everyone, everyone said when when Sean Connery was doing James Bond. Well, if he leaves, that's the end of that. Yeah, right. Do you do you think they're planting the seed? Not that I, I predict Tom Cruise will make one too many of these. Like he'll do one, and everyone will say, "Ah, oh, he's you yeah. know he's he's eighty two oh. now, and maybe he's <laughs> a little bit longer too." <laughs> I believe that at eighty one. Do you yeah. think that that the franchise has the strength to continue without Tom Cruise? No, I think they go hand in hand, and. Tom Cruise has a unique way of, you always know it's Tom Cruise in a movie. I mean, mm -hmm. you just can't help it. Um, but he, the reason I like this one even more than the Top Gun is that it's, it's, it's constantly evolving. This is the seventh one. They, each time it gets different, better, and it, it doesn't get like more preposterous, like the Fast and the Furious franchise, which, you know, they're out of space and then they're, 
outer outer space you know it just gets more outlandish each time this one uh you know once you get past the the plot it, the initial plot the way it's written is actually really good um and they balance the action with charming little things that a lot of movies miss you have to have a bit of charm a bit of playfulness and this movie has that in addition of course to uh, i'm telling you this car scene is amazing in in italy and then there's a train train sequence that again goes back to the first one with john void and uh they're on top of the train absolutely incredible movie on top Not of the train point. you say an action yes. scene on and top oh, of the train you'll be you'll be amazed to know that they have to jump down and up and around but it's yeah. it's different than others i maybe i'm just too big of a fan but oh I, well, I think where's it's the anger where's the anger I, oh it's coming I what are we are we going to talk here? about the jennifer lawrence movie <laughs> We can talk about that, but, you know, uh, Bill, you talked about the one too many idea. I think these days we call that pulling a Harrison board. <laughs> he didn't exactly win a lot of kudos for coming. I have to tell you a story. Uh, I, my my grandkids from uh, visit, were in New York last weekend, they, and they're visiting with me now, and they went to see the, uh, the Indiana Jones movie in a theater in New York City. They did not see on the sign going into the theater that it was spanish subtitles <laughs> so the first 15 minutes of this is nazis talking in german so they're they're watching people talk in german and trying to read spanish subtitles because there's no they had no idea the what, education what the system has failed us yeah <laughs> i bet you they yeah. kept up though that's the beauty of it. I, well i think i think they probably the did one too many did not work for harrison ford i i uh, I get the sense that the Indiana Jones franchise is pretty much uh, uh, that that was the last nail in the coffin. Well, I'll tell you that my the, 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 mm. I haven't seen it, but my the the kids, my grandkids, and 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 son lo loved it. They actually really oh, liked the film. And I, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much have, have has everyone here seen it. Except I saw me? it. Yeah, it's, Archie, it's have you actually seen it? it's too long, but good. yeah, yeah. yeah so, they, Bill, they, they, let me ask you this: if here we are. Mission Impossible is here. It is. It's a review-proof movie, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and I'm sure it's it's quite good. But if someone came out and said, "Ah, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. It stinks." It won't make a a, a dent. Uh, this is certainly the biggest movie of the year. And what does that say <clears throat> about the state of the movies these days? Well, I, for one thing, I, I, I you would have thought off the top of your head that the Indiana Jones movie was was a view proof as well, but uh, people just didn't go to see it. It wasn't a matter of it got bad reviews. It was it was. I don't think the critics can take the the credit or blame for that movie not doing great at the box office. So there are just some things that are running their course, I guess. You know, um, I mean, I know I know I want to live in a, I want to live in a universe where there are no multiverse movies for one thing. Yeah. It's, it's and I think there's still more coming because it's 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 apparently how you can recycle new people in old roles because you uh because uh, we're, we're in an alternate universe that's what seems to be hap that's happened in the um uh, in the movie with with Michael Keaton and popping up as Flash, uh, as Batman yeah. again yeah and I think they're going to get like one cycle or two cycle of films out of that and then I think that's that's going to be it and then and then you get back to the the uh, Mission Impossible movies where. It's sort of all the same movie, but you don't mind because you, it's exactly what you, you're going to get. Yeah, the Indiana Jones films, uh, particularly this time, you know, they try to throw a little Philip in it. They try to just sort of change things to, to try to appeal to a new audience. 
And I don't think the the uh, Mission Impossible films do that, do they? They're, no, they're, they don't. They're saying we we know what works, and you know we'll, we'll wink at our age, our increasing age, but they're not uh, uh, trying to reinvent something that everyone loves. And I think from what I've heard about the Indiana Jones film, it's aggressively yes, this is. Uh, we're in a whole different era now, you know, we're in the 1960s and Vietnam gets mentioned and everything. That's not what people wanted in the Indiana Jones movies. They were, they were throwbacks to the thirties to begin with. Well, and Peter just mentioned uh, the person in front of him at the screening had never <laughs> seen any of their mission impossible film. Heck, Which sounds mission impossible I remember the TV series. Do you? Of course I do. I remember the first series before Peter Graves was was Mr. Phelps. Oh, really? There was, there, there, there was a season before that. Martin Landau and Barbara Bain, and I'm, 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 oh. I'm totally nerding out here. Yeah. We're on the series from the beginning, but they changed the guy after the first season. Mr. Mr. Briggs, I think, was the name of the guy in the first oh. season. Wow. I just, Check it out. <laughs> that was must-see TV before they thought of must-see TV. So, uh, Peter, what else are you watching? Well, I mean, uh, I said, <laughs> it's Indiana Jones is actually good. Just going back to it, I, I don't know if you discussed it last podcast, but it's actually really good. It starts off back, it's a CGI kind of a thing in the beginning that resembles the first movie. And it's so, uh, it's like, wow, make this whole movie this way. And uh, so that there's bits and parts of it that are quite good. Um, as opposed to movies like The Blackening and uh, the Jennifer Lawrence, um, No Hard Feelings. Oh, uh, no uh, Hard Feelings. Did you you and, didn't like No Hard Feelings? No. Well, I didn't finish it all, so to be fair. But really, uh, that was oh, so a, you had sorry, hard though, feelings. Yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> I, oh, I had lots of bad feelings for that. I um, saw No Hard Feelings, and I came in with low expectations, or probably no expectations. In fact. My first uh, uh, thought was, why is she making this? I had just had a baby, so I definitely wasn't planning on working. And I just, I read the script and it was just too funny. It was the funniest thing I had ever read. I thought it was very watchable, very enjoyable. <laughs> you bought into her, Oscar winner as the, like the Jamie Presley, uh, you know, esque character. Um, She's 35, and she's hired to uh, bring a little 19-year-old kid into the adult world, doing yeah. whatever it takes. Well, I mean, you she know, she dragged him in, I guess. But <laughs> well, it's that and... it's that it's that Jed Apatow, you know, Seth MacFarlane, Ted, and uh, sort of thing where you you introduce a character who has absolutely no redeeming values whatsoever, and have you? Have every reason to hate them, and then and they do all the wrong things. Bad Santa is another one of these movies where, where they're they're just these are people who deserve to be dead, and then <laughs> and you hate yourself for laughing at them. It's like remember Two and a Half Men was like that show. You know, you, you you'd laugh and feel exactly. dirty afterwards. Yes, you had to yeah. show, and then in the last reel, they turn on a dime, and we find this person has warmth and passion, and they're good people, really, uh, and. It, that is a formula that it feels a little manipulative, even, but, and you, the funny thing is, or the sad thing is, you enjoy it much more when they're bad than when they actually turn good at the end. That's like your, your, your asparagus with your, with your dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so Peter, what would you like about No Hard Feelings? And, and oh. Nothing. <laughs> Being able to <laughs> leave did, without anyone what, stopping. What did you hate about it? There's a scene on when the, uh, the two main characters are in the water, skinny dipping. 
on yeah. a New York beach. And uh, they're, you know, it's just writes itself. Their clothes are stolen. And Jennifer Lawrence jumps out of the, the water and proceeds to have this uh, Bruce Lee moment where she's fighting the three, um, completely naked, by the way. And spoiler alert, completely naked. It didn't really feel like a big deal to me. No. I just, yeah, you just kind of... Let's kind of do it. We had intimacy coordinators. We we had a ton. The set was closed. Like it was as safe and professional as it could possibly be. Did you have a screener or did you leave the theater? Leave, left the theater. What a brave. I know man. you hate that, but I know, I know, I, luckily I, there was only four of the people in the theater. So it's like it's like I'm a soldier in war, you know. And <laughs> and if I leave, someone's going to shoot me for desertion. So I have to stay through the whole movie. Think of me as a sniper that's hitting them from <laughs> like a thousand yards away, and then just slips away without anyone noticing. But uh, the reason I asked the theater at home because I, I don't even I don't even turn a movie off at home. I I still feel like I have to watch the whole thing. Do you leave the room? <laughs> in protest yes. i'm gonna go into the kitchen damn it that's... now you know on her behalf uh the skinny dipping scene is so dark and also i do think there were some uh body doubles in there because uh, she didn't do those uh those kung fu moves somebody no, else did such as they were it, it's just it's look she's just so out of place in this movie I and I'm sorry. I know, and I'm a big Jennifer Lawrence fan. My girlfriend does not like Jennifer Lawrence. She liked her in this movie, so oh. she bought into it. A lot of people are buying into it. I just think she's Was trying she so hard to be a bad out? actor. Uh, well, she kind of has to, yeah. She walked out with. I'll the, be in the lobby. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not that bad. Where you know you split into the different theaters yet. You know, it's a good relationship. This okay, may be the longest uh, discussion anyone's ever going to have about that movie. I got a very serious recommendation <clears throat> to go see the film Past Lives. Have you two heard of it? No. At the Avalon. Past Lives. It's starting to show up on various 10 best lists. It's, uh, it's uh, set, it begins in Korea. What a good story this is. Childhood sweethearts who reconnect 20 years later and realize they were meant for each other. In the story, I would be the evil white American husband standing in the way of destiny. Shut up. He was just this kid in my head for such a long time. I think I just missed him. Did he miss you? The woman says, we've got to stop this. I've got to live my life here. You're in Korea. I'm in New York. Then another 12 years pass. She's married. And he comes to New York, and they get together, and it's their reunion with the husband there. <laughs> Not a the story of a threesome. It's the story of of a very emotional connection. And have either of you seen it? No, almost. You it's almost. on. It's probably this. It's probably Saturday or Sunday at the. It's playing at the Avalon. So yeah, it's at the Avalon. You know, it, that's a good opportunity because it's a nice little theater. And uh, the Avalon uh, pulled a pretty good crowd on a Sunday night. Oh, that's the real, that's the lead. Uh, past Lives. In fact, I would recommend it to most anyone. It is, it's, it's in that vein of the kind of Eastern film that is starting to, you know, permeate uh, award season and, Top ten list. 
like uh, some of the great uh, films of the last few years that have won uh, the Oscar, none of whose name I can remember. Mm. Is it in <laughs> subtitles, partially? No, it's in English. Oh, wonderful. Okay. It's in English. Uh, occasionally, a little Korean is uh, subtitled, but basically it's an English film. And uh, and I I was I wasn't blown away, but I liked it, and I would easily recommend it to someone. So I recommend it to you two, softies. Oh, I have a, I have wow. a film like that that I would directly recommend. It, it's I think it's in theaters in theaters now, and actually I don't think it has a streaming date, which is strange for small films because I usually yeah. say in theaters this week and next week in your living room. But it's a movie called The Lesson oh, with, yeah. with Richard E. Yeah. Grant in it, yeah. oh, who, who like should it. have won an Oscar for Can You Ever Forgive Me with Melissa McCarthy. Right. It's a it's a kind of a family drama, although it's it's goes beyond being a family drama. He's, he he plays Britain's greatest living author and he's hitting a dry spell and he's struggling and his son apparently committed suicide. One of his two sons probably committed suicide a year ago. And this young guy comes to be his assistant. And uh, uh, the, the the author's wife is played by Julie Delpy. And uh, another saucy minx. Yes, yes. <laughs> Although she it's interesting in this film because she is she's clearly was once a saucy minx. And, and but the, the minx is maxed out as if it's not, um, and the, 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 it's really a lot of it's a very very tight drama almost could have been a play and except for the fact that some of it happens in a in a pond outside uh but it's it's really the, the characters are just beautifully defined uh it's very dark very moody and has a lot of really tw great twists because the, the kid comes to live in the house and the husband and wife barely talk to each other and you think you know where this is going oh she's this is going to be about the story about the relationship between the young guy and the wife and it turns out to be a zillion times more complicated than that and more in a very welcome sense. So uh, just a really nice twisty thriller. Your father. He's the most revered writer in the country. My husband, the subject of your thesis. We're not here for him. So don't talk about his work. Don't talk about Felix. Follow those rules and you should be fine. It's in theaters now. It, it must be showing somewhere around there. Uh, it's called um, The Lesson. I'm just it's looking really it up. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you can get it on uh, Amazon, okay. on Apple, oh, yeah. and uh, on Voodoo. It's Voodoo. Oh. Do you you got to pay you on do Voodoo. Voodoo. <laughs> Voodoo. What the hell is that? It's a, it's like Fandango. You pay basically four or five bucks to see a movie. That in-between oh. time before it streams on a major platform, it, it's yeah. available Tubi. like in demand. It's on, on Tubi. To be or not to be the way I, the way I understand it, here's the strategy people are using now. They but they get one streaming service at a time for a month. Oh, they'll get yeah. Netflix and then quit Netflix because yeah. they've seen everything there for this now. And then they go to Prime or, or maybe it's Prime for each, basically. Or then they go to Vudu and then they go to Hulu or whatever the oohs are. <laughs> and um, they they very seldom pay for more than one streaming service at the same time. Oh, tell me. But that's, that's, a, that's if you nice. don't need to be on the cutting edge. Because here's, here's my problem right now, because I'm catching up on the last season of Mrs. Maisel and Barry. Oh, and, man. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Uh, uh, the, uh, Better Call Saul. Succession. And Succession. And my, oh. my problem is, for me, I've just seen something incredible happen. And I can't call anyone and say, can you believe it? Because they say, well, yeah, that happened last yeah, year. I saw that. Six yeah. months ago. It's like it's like calling someone up at a film club and saying, It's a sled. Can you believe it? It's a sled. <laughs> and they threw it in the yeah. fire. <laughs> yeah, we knew they that. Do that. That's no surprise.
You know, of everything you just mentioned, succession succession got all kind of talk and attention and now i it you know i've like purged it out of my season uh, out of my system but uh barry where are you on barry i finished barry wow yeah, the, yeah. I, oh wow that's exactly that's the last line my wife was out of town so i showed her the last two episodes of barry and of everything you mentioned barry is the one that was just brilliant as far as i'm concerned it ended the only way it could end and yet you stood and didn't see it coming Uh -uh. peter were you a well i I finished it too in season two um i couldn't i couldn't keep with it i'm I'm sorry i can't imagine you're speaking about it in the same uh, words as a spaces succession which is you know mad men boardwalk empire territory um no i thought i thought it was hokey i thought it was a cute idea i love the the idea you know but henry winkler and god knows where it ended but yeah i like that part but i can't imagine it could be sustained for it's the for, best thing henry winkler ever did and yeah. the way they uh wrap up oh, this character is arrested just... development art Brilliant. arrested development Brilliant. but like so many I, it's interesting you said you quit at the end of the second season because i think middle most most shows that have these long these like these seven or eight series a yeah. year series of shows second season seems to be their weak one their weakest one it's like yeah. it's like Sophomore they planned for the first season because they didn't know if there'd be a second season or, or beyond and then the second season comes they say oh okay how are we gonna you know continue this okay so well, Ricky, i got a sorry. very heavy duty recommendation to watch the bear season two on the hulu are either of the you watching the bear explain I, the bear to me because actually i'm i'm in the dark <laughs> peter are you watching you want me to it's um uh, uh, it's uh, this fancy chef a, uh, anthony bourdain kind of a guy who's who who leaves his fancy michelin star job uh, and takes over his brother's um beef pit like a little like a yeah. sandwich chicago. shop in, in chicago and uh his brother had killed himself and the place is in dire straits and he wants to, you know, rebuild it and then rebuild it again in season two. It so has season moments. Season one, they're a, they're a sandwich joint. Yeah. And now season two, they're rebuilding to become a fine restaurant. Wow. Who didn't see that coming? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, it's a, one of these four shows to me. Uh, it has moments, uh, gritty moments, uh, but it's very, again, very outlandish. There's... There's a scene. What is it? Uh, with, with where they give Xanax to children at a they're catering uh, a children's party, and they give all the kids Xanax, and all the kids fall asleep. Uh, there's oh, I didn't I miss that. You miss oh I, I it's in season one. I'm sorry, but it's uh, there's all there's a cocaine dealer. There's a drive-by shooting where they make friends with the the, the gang by giving them leftovers from the sandwich shop. It, it just tries very, very hard, and it's just a bit over the top for me. But it's, I everyone gave loves up it on season one, and so it, actually, it's Jim Cheney, who who I'm very much respect, said, uh, "Well, just just pick up on season two; it's a lot better." And did so, you or so you know, season one it seemed to me was just anxiety and yelling and screaming and ah, ah, ah. Oh, well you're going to get that in season two as well well i'm i'm up to episode six of season oh, yeah. two which evidently okay. is that's like the turning point show and 
uh, Jamie Lee Curtis shows up and, and, you know, it's screaming and yelling, come in here, do this, do that. Rah, rah, rah. I, Who plays the I bear? Who's, who's the lead? Uh, a guy with three names. Uh, Jason something. <laughs> Dana Day-Lewis? <laughs> that guy. He's going to take over in season three. <laughs> He's going to do a Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise. Yeah. No, here it is. It's coming. It's Jimmy Allen White. Okay. Oh, that's his character. Yeah, Jimmy Allen White. Yeah, that's his real name. Um, He's supposedly dating Selena Gomez in real life. So. Oh. Well, I'd watch there's, that. There's that. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. Can I ask you guys one quick question? And I'm sorry we didn't even plan on it. I'm just curious of your take uh, really quickly. There's a Ben Kingsley movie out coming soon called Jewels. And it's basically a, a spaceship lands in his backyard and it uh, it becomes yeah. E.T. with old people. Mm -hmm. A UFO has crashed in my backyard, has taken out my azaleas and destroyed my birdbath. This is the little man who came out of it. He's got to be a secret. Don't tell anybody. It looks absolutely dreadful. But the reason I'm bringing it up is there's a, a talk on online about the trailer gives away too much. It's a two and a half minute trailer. It's literally the entire movie in sequence. Nothing is out of, you know, how they'll, they'll show you the beginning at the end and vice versa. Yeah. Just so it doesn't spoil it. The movie literally shows you the end in stages. <laughs> you know, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And I was just curious what you guys thought about trailers nowadays, if they've changed and are they showing too much, which was always the argument in the past. Just wondering what your take is. Because well, I go to matinees a lot. And, you know, try to catch an early show and, and keep current that way because I, I like you, I'm I'm kind of weary of these screening sessions. <clears throat> so uh, I just hate trailers because they'll run 30 minutes of them. Uh, mm. So right off the bat, I'm looking at them with a jaundiced eye. And, uh, I you know, I don't find the, the problem isn't giving away too much. It's showing too much. Bill, what do you think? Well, that's always been a problem for me. Uh, and the, the, to be, and I, I watched the, um, um, the the Jennifer Lawrence trailer because I knew we were going to talk about it, and I feel like I've seen that whole movie now. Yeah, I don't. I, I, so I felt like I'd speak. I, I felt like I could speak on authority about that movie, having seen the trailer. Uh, <laughs> and and that's not unusual. I mean, that's always been the case, hasn't it? I mean, I, as a kid, I remember watching the trailers on Channel Five in New York in the afternoon. And feeling I didn't need to go see the movie because they had just shown me the whole thing. But well, I, know, I, I, other, this 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 Kingsley movie they, though they they pop up on streaming. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And they show you like a little mini trailer and then the real trailer. Uh -huh. But the Ben Kingsley movie, I know it's going to be. I, I've actually I've asked for a street a, a screener. They're going to get it to me. But any movie where all the stars of the movie, the poster is their faces pressed up against your the, the screen, smiling at you. <laughs> Which is the which is the poster of this movie? Please like, like me. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm smiling and I'm Ben Kingsley and I'm smiling. And don't forget Jane Curtin, who uh, shows up. The wonderful Jane Curtin, who also smiles yeah. only for that. Uh, wow. That's also the dead giveaway. You can tell a lot by posters sometimes. Uh, well, well. Speaking of posters and smiling and pressing their face up on the glass, it's time to turn it over to Lou Katz <laughs> in the. Cats National Headquarters of the Cats Podcast System. 
where uh, Lou operates Hound Radio, among other things, that uh, presents this podcast. And we have a special feature every Sunday night. Check this out. According to the Webster Dictionary, the definition of the word stiff, when used as a noun, is a flop or failure. So Hound Radio, lover of floppy ears and all kinds of music, invites you to enjoy an hour of musical flops and failures. Hey, it's Lou. Thanks to Lisa over in Falls Church, one of our Hound listeners. She has sent in a classic stiff. Came in number 58 in 1972 on the Bill We call it Sunday Night Stiffs. Each weekend for an hour, Hound Radio will play nothing but lost songs that never became hits. Summer singles, summer album tracks, but they all have one thing in common. They're stiffs. Got one you want to hear? Send it to Lou at HoundRadio.com. There's only one internet radio station that's bold enough or dumb enough to do this. It's Sunday Night Stiffs, every weekend from 9 till 10 on Hound Radio. I wish we had a special feature every Sunday night. <laughs> it used to be The Sopranos, but, you know, what can you do? <laughs> How about a live, a stream this show live, the podcast live on Facebook or Instagram? <laughs> How about that for an idea? Oh, hey. <laughs> Sunday night after about There's four drinks. Idea. We might get three or four more viewers how did you like that jennifer lawrence movie art are you killing come on you're killing me it was easy to watch i love her she's great i do too i liked her it's it uh, pokes fun at her image and you know and it kind of positions her for the next phase of her career because she's she, you know, she's not she's a, a, a young ingenue anymore. I, Did you I, recognize her boyfriend at the beginning of the movie or her ex-husband? Uh, no. Who was that? I saw he's in the, the trailer. Guy Who? The bear. He's he's the the Richie, the the cocaine guy, the friend of the dead brother. Who oh, runs yeah. the restaurant with him? That's him. He just looks because he's not an angry, you know, alpha male like he is in the bear. Oh. He's just the, the the tow truck guy in the movie. But that's him. Oh, and I that's thought she did it on purpose. Oh, not in real life. In the movie, oh. he's the oh. one that tows her car at the very beginning. Oh, um, ex- and I thought catches- it was ex boyfriend. It could be husband boyfriend. I'm sure they <laughs> talk about it in the second <laughs> half of the movie. <laughs> Lord of mercy. Oh, Lord yeah. Mercy. You missed Life is too short, guys. The UFO comes short. down and gets the tow truck <laughs> oh, right. Oh, God. And Ben Kingsley's not looking the, the, oh, like a Harrison Ford, that's for sure. You know, there was a guy in town here who was one of my favorite guys in the world named John Corcoran, and he was the critic on Channel 7 back in the 80s, and he and I would sit together at the screenings, and we were watching the screening of Sophie's Choice, and I had to go to the bathroom. So I got up, went to the John, came back, and he leaned over to me and said, you missed the UFO landing. <laughs> <laughs> Which UFO are you going to choose? For years, he referred to me as the only critic in America who referenced the UFO landing. In so, <laughs> so, hey, I want to mention Alan Arkin, who passed away a couple of weeks ago. And what a, what a great career he had and so many fine movies and i go back to the heart is a lonely hunter which Mm. i think was in the late 60s where he played a deaf i think a deaf mute and uh uh, and of course catch 22 my parachute what about it it's gone 
I used to run a, the movies for grownups for AARP, and we just had a big dinner, our second dinner out in LA, the Bel Air Hotel. And he, we gave him a Lifetime Achievement Award. And he came, oh. and all he had to do was come and give a little thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. And he stood up there and he gave what he called a three paragraph speech about creativity. And all he talked about was get out of the way. If you're going to be creative, get out of the way. It's a fantastic speech. Oh, wow. He was. He was. A, he's a good, good actor. Uh, Wait until dark. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that yeah. was what a great movement. My mom got me onto that one because uh, I wasn't born yet. <laughs> I was. I missed it by a year. <laughs> but uh, and then did you guys? Uh, what was it uh, with Peter Falk? The in laws. Oh, the in laws. Uh, oh, at the Andrew Bergman. Uh, something film. in the seventies. Yeah. Oh, that was and that's great. so. That was a remake of that. A really good guy. Can I borrow you for a couple minutes? What's five minutes for a member of the family? Where are we going? Just over to my office. I want you to break into my safe. So we're getting the countdown from Cat's headquarters. And uh, what should we recommend for the weekend? I'm going to recommend Past Lives. You can find it in the theater. Take a look. Bill, very quickly. I'm recommending a movie called Love Gets a Room. Just look it up about Warsaw, about a Jewish theater group in Warsaw uh, ghetto in the 1940s. Uh, Love Gets a Room. I like that. Yeah. Peter? No well, hard uh, Mission Impossible, but don't forget DC Asian Pacific American Film Festival this weekend. You can see that AFI, Silver, and a couple of other little places. Well, you've been listening to Peter Freeman of DC Outlook and Bill Newcott of the Saturday Evening Post. I'm Arch Campbell with Lou Katz, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. This is the Katz Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.